Hey everybody, this is Natalie Griffin, and I am so excited to be talking with you tonight. So I've been thinking a lot about some people who've really influenced me in my life, and and I don't know if you know this, but I graduated from Westminster College, this tiny, private, um, Christian, Presbyterian, actually, school in Western PA, and I loved it. It was so perfect for me. It seems such an unlikely place for a budding young, you know, shaman to be. But I loved it. I loved going to the school because everywhere you went, there were discussions of the divine. Everybody was talking about it, thinking about it, arguing about it. And it was just such a beautiful place, a beautiful, safe place for me to discover my own spirituality. And in town, and it was a tiny Amish town, but there was this non-Amish part of town too in New Wilmington. And... One of the gentlemen who led, who was the the minister, the the guy who led the Vesper services in this Presbyterian church, and his name was Doug. And I met him on campus because Doug was in charge of this school that the church had that taught rock climbing and rappelling and, and ropes courses and Tyrolean traverses and mountain climbing and camping and all these things that I wanted desperately, desperately to learn about. And so I joined this club, this outdoor club, and, and it was so fantastic because the club actually taught a lot about leadership and spiritual leadership, and, and it taught critical thinking along with spirituality, along with how to build a fire in the woods. And so it was like a magical place where everything that I needed was there. And, and one day I was waiting for this 200 foot rappel to get set up and I was anxious because I'm impatient and I want to go first or else I get really nervous. So I was kind of hanging out at the edge of this cliff and, and it was such a warm day and, and there was just a part of me that knew that I needed to kind of slither over to the very edge of this cliff and lay on my back with my head tilted over the edge of the cliff so that I could see the entire canyon upside down. (laughs) And Doug saw me do this and gently came over to me and said, uh, you know, Natalie, I I can appreciate what you're doing, but do you think that's safe? You need to move. (laughs) So, um, I got off the edge of the cliff, but our friendship started that day. And when I got home, um, a couple weeks later, we became really good friends because he was a great sounding board for me to develop my ideas and my thinking about what is God and why are we here and what does all of this mean? And he left me one of the greatest presents um, that I could ever ask for. He left me the book called Women Who Run With the Wolves. And in it, it's inscribed to a budding young wild woman. May you be safe in your wild journey. <laughs> and I thought, this is for me. And, you know, I love the title, Women Who Run With the Wolves. It hit me on such a visceral level, just the title. I haven't even cracked the book open at that point. And I realized that there was something wolf-like in me that was sort of dying to come out and run. And I didn't really have a way of doing it. And it was the first time I sort of touched that place inside of me that was yearning to be wild. And now in my work, I see it everywhere. You know, we have a longing in our soul to be wild again. I one time asked a friend of mine, you know, why do we like zombie movies so much? Like, what's up with Walking with the Dead? Why is it so popular? And he said to me, it's because 
everything that we've become accustomed to in modern society gets stripped away and boiled down to just surviving and living with people and depending on one another. People are forced together and there's something in us that yearns for that. And at the time I thought, oh my gosh, you must be nuts. But I see it all the time. I see it in myself and I see it in the people around me, our students, clients. There's this longing, a longing in our soul to be wild. And we're taught, you know, we're taught to feel a lot of shame around that, to having wild hair that maybe doesn't go in place all the time, to having that scar, to having wildly shaped bodies, to, you know, have ideas that no one else has had before. We learn that these are shameful and to be hidden, or we become afraid, like, oh my gosh, if I really indulge in my wild side, I will, I will devour cities or, or, you know, devour men or devour women, and I'll become this horrible person and I won't be able to look in the eye anymore. So we're afraid of our wild, even though we're yearning for it, and therefore it's become incredibly out of balance as I look out in the world. And it's troubling to me when I look out into the world because what I see is that we're running away from our wild. We're running away from what's natural. You know, I, it's so funny. There are so many things that we are losing. We are losing because we're not in touch with our wild anymore. We are losing abilities to have conversations, to tell our truths to one another, to hold hands and look each other in the eye and, and have these moments of authenticity or group celebration and ceremony. In many, many places around the world, they're devoid of these moments of connection with actual humans. Like I was talking with my son earlier today, and he said, oh man, I love my eighth period class. The teacher let us listen to music. And I'm imagining like, what a great moment, what a cool teacher. They're putting on music, they're hanging out, they're having a good time. And I said, wow, that must be so fun. You know, do you guys dance? Do you talk? Like, I bet that's really cool. And he said, no, everybody just puts on their headphones. <laughs> and I thought, oh, right, iPod, I, 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 we've fallen into this belief that, that we have to do it alone, that our uniqueness is more important than our connectedness. And um, so I worry. I worry about the things that are getting lost in our society. And we are bringing them back. And there's a story in this book that I want to share with you about that, bringing back what is lost in our souls, bringing back what is lost first for us, in our soul territory, in the lost desert of our soul. We need to revive the wild so that we can bring it into our communities again and begin to connect in real ways that leave us satisfied and feeling nourished. So the story that I want to read to you tonight is called La Loba. La Loba, the wolf woman. And this is from the book, Women Who Run With the Wolves written by Clarissa Pincola Estes. And she is of Hungarian and Mexican bloodlines, and so she has deep roots in the storytelling traditions from around the world, but specifically there. And she's an amazing storyteller, and this is one of her stories. La Loba. There is an old woman who lives in a hidden place that everyone knows but few have ever seen. As in fairy tales of Eastern Europe, she seems to wait for the lost or wandering people and the seekers to find her at her place. 
She is circumspect. She's often hairy, and she's always fat. And she especially wishes to evade most company. She is both a crower and a cackler, and generally she has more animal sounds than human ones. They say that she lives among the rotten granite slopes in Tarahumara Indian Territory. They say that she is buried outside of Phoenix near a well. She's also said to have been traveling south to Monte Alban in a burnout car with the back window shot out by a shotgun. She is said to stand by the highway near El Paso or to ride shotgun with truckers to Morelia, Mexico. Or that she has been sighted walking towards the market above Oaxaca, Mexico with strangely formed boughs of firewood on her back. She is called by many names. La Juicera, the bone woman. La Trapera, the gatherer. And La Loba, the wolf woman. The sole work of La Loba is the collecting of bones. She is known to collect and preserve especially that which is in danger of being lost to the world. Her cave is filled with bones of all manner of desert creatures, the deer, the rattlesnake, the crow, but her specialty is said to be the wolves. She creeps and crawls and sifts through the montañas and the arroyos, the dry riverbeds, looking for wolf bones. And when she has assembled an entire skeleton, when the last bone in the last little tiny toe of the foot is in place, and the beautiful white sculpture of the bones of this creature is laid out before her, she sits by the fire and she thinks about what song she will sing. And when she is sure, she stands over la creatura and she raises her arms over it. And she sings out, And that is when the rib bones and leg bones of the wolf begin to flesh out, and the creature becomes furred again, and the loba sings some more, And more and more, the creature comes into being. Its tail curls upward, strong and shaggy again. And La Loba sings more and more. And the wolf creature breathes. And still La Loba sings. She sings so deeply that the floor of the desert shakes. And she sings. And the wolf opens its eyes, leaps up, and runs away down the canyon, free. And somewhere in its running, whether by the speed of its running or by splashing its way into the river or by a way of a ray of sunlight or moonlight hitting it right in the side, suddenly the wolf is transformed into a laughing woman who runs free towards the horizon. So it is said that if you wander the desert and it is near sundown, and you are perhaps a little bit lost, and certainly you are tired. 
that you are lucky for the loba may take a liking to you and show you something, something of your soul. Hmm. I love this story. When I started this journey, I was a bundle of bones and they were scattered in a desert. And the bones are the things in us, symbolic of that undying element, that place deep inside of us, made of the carbon and, and all the elements from the stardust that where we originated, these bones in us are not able to be destroyed. So these bones represent that which is in us, that is ancient and knowing and unafraid. And it's the reassembling of these parts of us that know, that remember who we are. And then we sing the song of the soul over these bones. This is our work here. This is our work individually, is to collect these bones of who we really are and remember our wildish nature, that we are part of this garden here on the planet and that we belong here and that our natural instincts are something to be listened to as much as our intuition and as much as our critical thinking mind, that all of these things have value in creating a wholesome, wholehearted life. So I hope you liked La Loba. I would love to hear your stories about how you collect bones of who you are and remember. And how do you sing the songs and celebrate and bring to life that wild part of you? Because it's not just for women. Each of us inside carry that masculine and feminine energy and, and the men need to be rewilded as well. Waking up the heart, waking up the howl, waking up, leading the pack. So these are deep thoughts coming at you live from Natalie Griffin tonight about La Loba. I hope you enjoyed the story. Thanks for joining me. And, uh, and thanks for checking out Naughty Shaman, where we like to keep the sacred a little wild. Well, maybe a lot wild and totally real. <laughs>